Hello and welcome to Overdrive, a program that bounces through the world of cars and transport. I'm David Brown, and in this program we look at news stories, including petrol-driven cars, a tip to still be a major component of the Australian car market, even in 2030. We road test the Holden Spark, a little car that has just come a long way. And in our panel discussion with Brian Smith, we take a light-hearted look at stories including Google is teaching its self-driving car to use the horn. Have a question or a comment? Send it to overdrive at drivenmedia.com.au. You can hear longer versions of the interviews, road tests and quirky news by going to drivenmedia.com.au or podcast the whole program from iTunes or your favourite podcast service. Now, to start the program, let's have the news. Despite all the publicity about carbon emissions, the environment and the development of electric cars, petrol-powered vehicles are predicted to dominate the Australian car market at least until the year 2030, according to a Queensland University of Technology-led study. Researchers investigating the future of vehicles and mobility in the Asia-Pacific region have surveyed academics, industry leaders and government representatives throughout Australia and Southeast Asia to find out what vehicle options they forecast will exist 15 years from now. The report said that Australian experts predicted petrol would continue to be the most popular fuel source at least until 2030, with a market share of nearly 35%, with hybrid vehicles coming in second. Quite a number of major football teams are sponsored by a car company. Overdrive has spoken to some of the big automakers who say that while some fans may be passionate for another team, the car company still gets credibility for supporting the game. But the image has to be positive. Holden is reviewing its lucrative Collingwood sponsorship because of the comments by Eddie Maguire about Caroline Wilson. The deal, understood to be worth about $3 million per year, includes naming rights for Collingwood's administration and training headquarters near the MCG. Holden said on Twitter that it, quote, categorically disapproves of Eddie Maguire's inappropriate comments along with those of his co-hosts and it is engaging with Collingwood to directly express our disappointment and discuss the future of our sponsorship. University of New South Wales engineers have demonstrated just how easily cars can be washed away by even the smallest currents. A small car like a Toyota Yaris, weighing just over a tonne, was moved by water only 15 centimetres deep and with a flow speed of just 3.6 kilometres per hour. It completely floats away in 60 centimetres of water. Even a two and a half ton Nissan Patrol four-wheel drive can be rendered unstable by floodwaters 45 centimetres high. Once the water reaches 95 centimetres, the four-wheel drive can completely float and needs almost zero force to be moved by hand. The tests are a world first. Previous experiments to understand the force of floodwaters have relied on using vehicle miniatures rather than actual cars. The New South Wales government is calling for applications for individuals, start-up organisations and companies to develop a new app to replace the outdated paper learner-driver logbook. 
the winning app must digitally capture the information required in the current paper-based logbooks while ensuring the safety of learner drivers. The app must be designed so as not to distract learner drivers or their supervisors and ensure learners abide by all applicable road rules relating to the use of mobile phones in vehicles. The winner will be provided access to technology experts to help deliver the final products to customers, as well as facilities at Westpac's Innovation Centre. Speculation has surfaced that a congested section of the M25 motorway in Britain could be relieved by building a double-deck carriageway. The idea is one of many said to be under consideration as a part of an ongoing study to improve performance of the motorway between junctions 10 and 16 near Heathrow. A spokesman for an accountancy firm's Committee on Smart Cities and Transport described the double-deck motorway as an interesting concept but said it would need the right mix of funding and finance to be put in place. A human-carrying drone has been given approval for test flights in Nevada, the first of its kind in the United States. The autonomous drone, dubbed 184, can carry one passenger and was developed by Chinese company Ehang. A prototype was shown off at this year's Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, with the company hoping to sell the drones later this year. There is no passenger override function, meaning the user cannot take control in an emergency. It's likely to sell for between 255 and 365,000 Australian dollars. Overdrive remains convinced that personal flying transport will not be the main application of drone technology. Rather, drones will primarily focus on carrying small freight items. And that has been the news. The naming of passenger car categories in Australia is a bit like boxing weight divisions. There are more boxing categories, and most organisations have 17 segments. They start out with heavyweights, of course, but about halfway down, they're already into the lightweight category. So below that area, there's a plethora of names like bantamweight, flyweight, and in one case, atomweight. Now in Australia, about halfway down the passenger car sizes, they call them small cars. Then there, Corollas and Mazdas, where in fact they're now quite sizable vehicles. Now below that are light cars, and below that again are the micros. Now the Holden Spark is a micro, and they now have a new model in the market. Starts at about $15,000, depending on the sales that are going, and that's for a manual. It's not the cheapest in the category where uh, price is considered to be a major factor. But it has class-leading power, which is okay, but also some modern technology, which might appeal to the market age that are likely to buy this type of vehicle, an age that I left behind some years ago, uh, as did Errol, perhaps not quite as many years. And Errol Smith and I have been driving the vehicle. Errol joins me on the line now. Errol, is this a vehicle in its own right now that it's not called the Holden Spark? I think it's sold well in overseas markets, hasn't it? Well, this was one of the uh, highest selling cars, fastest selling cars in the US a couple of years ago. They were only sitting on the dealer's floor for about six days before they'd uh, walk out. So um, it has been a, quite a popular car around the world. Yeah, you wouldn't have thought that in the American market, would you? No. Because these are, are these little runabout cities. And in fact, this uh, you have a number of nice features about this in its ability to get around in a city environment. You found it easy to drive? 
it's very easy to drive. And, and I think the, the biggest thing that category in general, but this car in particular has, is the combination of its size and an excellent turning circle. And it makes it just incredibly easy to park and, and manoeuvre. I drove it out the other day and a couple of times I was just not quite far enough forward. I tried to move as far forward as I could for cars to move onto the inside and go for a left turn and big four-wheel drives couldn't make it. I then drove down a street where a car was turning right and I squeezed into what was almost like a little bicycle lane beside it and I could fit through quite comfortably and I think that's the feature. It's (laughs) just so easy to get around yeah and, and i'd park it in squeeze it into a tiny spot thinking i'd only just made it in and i'd get out and there'd be a meter in the front pack fuel economy of course is very good you're looking at about just over five liters per 100 on the combined so yeah. uh very very uh very much a sipper of, of fuel now the price of them and they're not the cheapest on the market the mitsubishi mirage starts at about twelve thousand plus on road so about 13 or so thousand as is the drive away price for the suzuki solero uh that has a pro- drive away price of about thirteen thousand dollars this is a little higher that doesn't exclude it from the market i don't think no and you've got a, a much bigger name behind it so I guess they're they're sort of banking on that. You're looking at about about 15k on the road for the manual and about 17 for the uh, the auto, which is the what we got. And the thing about that is that uh, actually they started a bit higher, but Holden soon realised they'd overpriced it a little bit. Technology was it easy to uh, Bluetooth stream and things? It's got a probably one of its pluses is the entertainment system. It's got Apple Play and Android Auto and. Um, usual Bluetooth streaming and auxiliary and USB and all, all that kind of stuff which you'd expect on a, quite a good screen for a, a for an entry-level car. Well, it's the only one with a screen, really, I think, in the category. A seven-inch screen, not too bad. Did you find it comfortable? Yeah, I did. It's It's got a, um, a fairly upright seating position and so you're fairly high in the in the scheme of things for a small car like this. So you've got really good visibility and um, it's got good headroom as well. The only thing lacking was in the comfort department was the steering wheel. You can't adjust forwards and backwards. So if you're really fussy, you might miss that. Five seats, it'd be a bit of a squeeze for those in the back. The rear boot room is uh, clever but small until you fold the seats down. I suppose you could squeeze three adults in the back if you really wanted to. (laughs) It wouldn't want to be on a long trip. You can flat fold the, um, the rear seats and you can also fold forward the the base of the rear seat to make them fold even flatter so it's actually pretty flexible in the storage department and it's got a fair amount of cup holders and and things in inside so it's not too bad for a, such a tiny car yeah i don't think we're talking about putting families in with all their gear no. it's 180 liters in the boot which is not big at all folded down and it's nearly a thousand liters which is pretty good and i think that's more the sort of style you do it you've got one or two people up front and if you need to throw a bit of gear in the back then you're going to fold the seats down the engine 1.4 litre, it's all new, four-cylinder. Some of its competition is three-cylinder turbos. This engine actually, for the size of the category, has market-leading power. 73 kilowatts, which is something you'd used to get in a, a car, you know, at least a category bigger, and 124 oh. newton-metres of torque. You've got the choice of a five-speed manual or a, or a CVT auto. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's pretty quick for, for a little car. 
73 kilowatts for the Spark. The Kia, the new Picanto just out, 63 kilowatts. Mm. The Mirage, 57, and the Suzuki, 50. So the Spark is ahead of it. And I think I actually like four cylinders. The old three-cylinder turbo, I think they tend to have to work hard. And there's some research that suggests that on the road, their fuel consumption is uh, of the smaller three-cylinder competition is not necessarily as good as the small engine might indicate it should be. Yeah. And so I, I found the donk in it was, um, you know, it didn't scream too much and, and wasn't too bad, but uh, you weren't a great fan of the CVT. No. I, I actually thought it was a really cheap conventional auto. It was that <laughs> bad. Um, but um, it's looking into it, it's, it's actually a, what you might call a hybrid CVT. So it does have a two-speed gearbox as well as a CVT component if you can get your head around that if you're not used to a CVT you'll be very confused by this but it does get the car around and it's not it's not really broken it's just a bit um, unconventional Errol a word of caution uh, but a lovely summary thank you very much for your time no worries David and that's Errol Smith and we were talking about the Holden Spark a micro car on the Australian market you're listening to Overdrive and just a little feedback from a listener. Last week we reported on a trial of higher speeds on the Monash Freeway in Melbourne at appropriate times. One listener said that this was about time as the 80 km an hour speed limit on the high standard Monash Freeway was ridiculously low. These were not his actual words. I have paraphrased his comments which were originally in a more colourful language style. If you have any feedback, send it to feedback at drivenmedia.com.au. You're listening to Overdrive. And again, we get to the end of the program. Let's talk some unusual stories to do with motoring and transport. Once again, we're joined by Brian Smith. Brian, good day and thanks for your time. Good day, David. Now, cars, they want to automate everything. Uh, Google has revealed how it's developing an autonomous car horn system. Uh, now, this, of course, has been almost foretold, in a way, by The Simpsons. If you remember, Season 2, Episode number 15, was called Wherefore Art Thou, Brother? And Homer designs a car for his brother, who is super rich as an automobile manufacturer, and, of course, sends him broke. But Homer, when he's talking about designing a car, he says, put a horn here, here, and here. I can never find one when I'm mad. Brian, is this a good idea? Well, horns are useful useful on the road and I think this is what Google are finding they're, they're useful for warning people of danger or of uh, you know the, of risk and alerting people to the that you're around and the problem with autonomous vehicles has always been how do you get the autonomous vehicle to judge when it's appropriate to use the horn and so the great thing about this is that you know we all use different horns don't we the sort of friendly toot that you might use as you you, you know seeing someone you recognize the other sort of toot, the short toot that says, you know, careful, I'm here, and that, that sort of angry blast on the horn. And, and knowing when to use these different types of horn or even different tones to uh, re respond to different situations is very difficult. So they've been developing it, and they're developing the algorithm and testing it and sort of validating against people uh, in the vehicles to make sure that it can do the right thing. Last week I talked about a road rage incident where... 
a guy just rode straight out on a push bike, straight into a main road in front of me. I had to brake. I don't care that I braking. That's not what I would call inconvenience. But I blew the horn, and he went off his head. He swore and cursed and said, "If I was a madman, I'd punch your head in." And and I said, "I'm merely trying to save your life." I could have said in that case, I had no control. The car <laughs> did it. The autonomous horn. Can it do a wolf whistle if you've got a good-looking person of either sex? I'm not trying to be sexist. Oh, sort of the hey baby kind of horn. Yeah. A play loco caracha. That's what, <laughs> what Homer wanted to do. The other thing is, can it judge uh, according to your political affiliation if you see a protest on the side of the road? If you're for it or against it, could you be able to, oh, yeah. able to enter in whether you're right or left wing or what your preferred uh, political stance is on various issues? Well, it could get you into trouble, you know, that can the car understand the nuances of the other people on the road as to someone who, who may think they're being tooted at or someone that you would go to toot and then you see them and you decide not to toot you know, because they might be big and scary or be carrying a gun. And so, you know, you also want the car to be smart enough to not sort of see the sticker that says honk if you're horny and respond to it. Well, if you blow the horn and then the car suddenly realises that it's a big bloke or a bloke with a gun or a person with a gun, then a little hand comes out and points to the car beside you. (laughs) It it wasn't me, it was him. A ventriloquist horn. That'd be fantastic. Oh, yes. Well, what happens if you have conflicting situations? I was stuck behind a car coming in from a side street at a set of traffic lights and you had very limited green time and the car ahead, the guy put his head down to read or something. So I tooted the horn. But there was a workman on the side of the road. It was about four o'clock in the morning. I was going to the airport or something. And so this poor workman was working overnight and he jumped a mile and he looked at me like I was death warmed up you know he, he wasn't <laughs> at all impressed uh, uh, directional horn that's what uh, i yeah. need i yes, need it to target the direction well instead of a horn it could play a tone in the other car's uh sound system there you go instead of broadcasting in narrow casting yes that's a great idea but uh, the other thing we often talk about autonomous vehicles and the freedom to reimagine things and and why should it be a horn sound and why you know there are a lot of different sounds we could use the tinkle of a bell uh, a bicycle's bell the ringing of a light rail or a tram bell so there's a lot of other sounds i think that we could use animal sounds even instead oh, okay. of just horns so we could build quite a, a language of the vehicle's um audio language that they're they're transmitting to other drivers or other vehicles uh, it'd be interesting you're driving along through your sound system the car to your uh, back left thinks that uh, perhaps as a personal reflection you're into self-gratification <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is google is talking about it as a 360 degree so it's lovely you'll be able to comment about everybody all around yeah. you answer me this though david mm. if in an in a world where there are lots of autonomous vehicles on the road. Who's listening to the horns? You know, in the way that if a, if a tree falls in the forest and there's nobody there to hear it, did it make a noise? Well, well, if there's no other human driver that is able to respond to the horn, what's the point of the horn? Ah, so maybe what it should do is send a short circuit to the other car. Well, it means the car needs to listen 
as yes. well as as uh, speak. Yes, yes, indeed. Well, there was that way of, of finding out when recording and recording space was very expensive that they would record on a loop and not keep all the information until they heard an aggressive sound, like a screech of brakes. This is road safety experts. And so they would then save the last 10 seconds and be able to look, and without having to look at 24 hours of video, they would have a video of potentially dangerous situations. The incident. Mm. Yeah, so sound could be the trigger for many a thing. Hmm. Brian, I think that's rather good. Now, you have a different story here, Brian, one of policing. Well, it's fascinating. This is the the old West meeting the sort of uh, young urban situation. So uh, a horse rider who was uh, in the US, of course, the Oregon town of Medford, used his horse and rope to lasso a bike thief. So uh, a, a person, a woman had her bicycle stolen in a car park of a shopping centre and she and some other people gave chase on foot as the the thief was riding away. On the scene was rancher Robert Borber who just happened to have his horse in a trailer. He actually mounted the horse and chased the cyclist and as the cyclist, the thief jumped off the bike, he, he actually lassoed him around the ankles and dragged him then held him until the police came. What a fantastic story. It sounds almost a little bit unbelievable. The horse was in a trailer. Did he unlock the back door, get it down, take it out, you know? Well, did it have its saddle on? Yes, saddle it and then mount the horse and give chase. It it sounds a little less reality and more like a script from a sitcom. Yeah, was there no one else with a vehicle that could chase this person? I guess a horse is... uh, cross between a person a human and a, a vehicle and it, it can sort of go places that cars can't so i mean someone on a bicycle could quite easily yeah make their way uh, yeah through houses and away from uh, from cars so yeah maybe the they need more mounted police i mate i think this is going to make being a traffic cop a much more popular profession oh yeah you know, forget the segway forget police in these little tight shorts on a push bike then they could have the clothing, the 10-gallon hats, the, the chaps. They would be fantastic. Oh, David, look, he even had all of the old Wild West nomenclature. So, you know, he, he was very quotable. He says, I use a rope every day. That's how I make my living. If it catches cattle pretty good, it catches a bandit pretty good. So he's, been, he's not just a bike thief, he's a bandit. A bandit. But then again, yeah. if you tra- train the police like that, think of the police academy march out. The, mar- the passing out parade, instead of being just a boring sort of thing where they throw their hats in there, have a rodeo. <laughs> the whole, you know, people would report on that. They'd be much more involved in it. Or, oh, or yeah. the meter maids in Surface Paradise. They need a refresh of their image. Well, you could just rename Surface Paradise the OK Corral. Well, the only trouble is, are you going to be really authentic? The early days of the Old West, what was the most popular hat? The bowler hat. <laughs> Not the 10-gallon hat. No, the Stenson sort of thing came later. The other problem, too, is Mel Gibson will stop doing buddy movies as a policeman, when they, which is a good thing, but he'll start doing remakes of The Three Amigos. <laughs> Dirty Harry meets Roy Rogers. I, I just, yeah, sorry, I don't think that's going to work in a movie sense. Now, Brian, I've got a feeling we're going to be doing this type of story quite a lot, as we've done it a little in the past. 
I think more and more into the future it will come. A flying car will be on the market in two to three years according to its manufacturer. There's a, a reliable source. So if you want one, it's time to sign up now. The PAL-V has got a patent in India, uh, which perhaps is good, and you can go and purchase one of these things. About three-quarters of a million Australian dollars for one. Brian, this is for the elite is it a practical transport option? Well, David, I think uh, pretty much annually the, the flying car is reported, isn't it, yes. so that to yeah. be just around the corner. This one's interesting because most of them try to take a car and make it fly. This is much more like a kind of a hydro, uh, like a gyrocopter, more like an airplane or a helicopter that's been converted into kind of like a motorcycle on the road. It's got three wheels, two at the back, one at the front, and the rotors and the tail and, and the propeller sort of fold away. So it's taken its cues from aeronautical engineering and then tried to turn that into a car. So it's a pretty neat idea, but it's not for everyone. And I, it seems to be a single-seater, and I suspect if you wanted to take it off, you've probably got to go to an airport rather than um, just drive along and see the congested road in front of you and decide to uh, just take to the air. I think it would take a little while to to set up so look it's not going to change anything it, they, they have a bit of uh, marketing images showing it flying above uh, a, a huge congested road but look you're not going to be flying this thing landing it on the road and that sort of stuff so it's really it's a helicopter with a big blade so mm. if you've got a truck in front of you you can't and, and I presume you've got to have the blade pointing forward and back as you mm. go down a narrow road lane so uh, you got you got to have little red flags on the end, haven't you? If you to make it legal, certainly on Australian roads, maybe it might be used to get to difficult or dangerous road places yeah. like holiday resorts and that. I don't see it carrying much luggage. I guess you have to have the special license to it. But as you're yeah. right, you know, if you're sitting in a line of traffic, is it going to have to have a blinker on the roof to sort of say I'm going up now? Just in case there's another one coming behind. <laughs> That's right. If you get a few of these things, it could be quite, quite dodgy. So, look, the Jetsons' future is probably not happening just yet. I do like to see the flying car out there. It's kind of like the Chinese straddling bus, so it's amusing to, to see it pop up every now and then, and uh, I guess somebody's sinking a bunch of money into this thing. Well, and among other things, of course, you've got to consider where you can park it, because with that big rotor blade on it, it's going to take huge amounts of space to be able to get to it. Mm. Yeah. And, of course, you're merging not just uh, horizontally but vertically as well. Potentially. Yes, absolutely. Brian, always good to talk to you. Uh, thanks once again for your time. We'll catch you hopefully next week. Thank you, David. Brian Smith talking some unusual stories, some quirky news to do with motoring and transport. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to Brian Smith, Errol Smith and Paul Just for their great help during the program. Overdrive can be heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network. You can listen to longer segments of the features, road test and quirky news on our website at drivenmedia.com.au or podcast the whole program on iTunes or your favourite podcast service. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening. <music>